In the Situation Room, the President sat with the Director of Central Intelligence, Roger Coltrane, and the Director of the newly formed Umbrella Agency, the Department of Intelligence, Admiral Neil Zane. The new and simplified Department of Intelligence replaced the short-lived Department of Homeland Security, a failing testament to supposed sharing of a warehouse of intelligence. President Carlson had to start over. The major difference between the Department of Intelligence versus Homeland Security, the one that made the Department of Intelligence work, budgetary control by the department over every other intelligence agency. The CIA and others would share information, or that agency could potentially feel the funding crunch. This afternoon's topic was covert military assistance in China. The finding is clear, Mr. President. The Chinese underground resistance, like the guerrillas of Kuomintang days, need armed support that we can do covertly, Coltrane said. How? the President asked in a serious tone. The Japanese are willing to help us. All we have to do is put the money in a Swiss bank account. The Japanese accept it as payment for the arms and gets AR-15s to quell the North Wing factions. And SIGINT and other satellites tell us that the North Wingers are stockpiling weapons, Neil. Yes, sir. I believe that Roger's men are right on. We have to act now, Mr. President. Get the covert action in motion, the director of the Department of Intelligence said. The president feigned thought and smiled. Gentlemen, let's wait for the vote in Congress. Sir, action is needed now. Let's get this started now, and when Congress votes, we'll already be in motion, Coltrane offered. When they vote against? Daniel asked. We'll abort. Daniel smiled and couldn't help but roll his eyes. In frustration, Director Coltrane stood up. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I don't think it works like that, the President said. What will it think? What will the silent majority decide? Is this an unjustified secret war or a justifiable police action? It hates. It eats. Where do you stand, Mr. President? We seemed to have convinced the Vice President. Which way are you going to urge Congress to vote? Daniel seriously considered this question. Let the White House counsel and myself look at the findings. If it's a real analysis, I'll probably want a further review of covert action, perhaps overt assistance options. If it's a high-shine job, forget the whole thing. I don't understand why you bring these things up to me now. You know I can't commit to this in the campaign. We need to know as soon as possible, Mr. President. We want democracy to sprout in China. If we wait, my people tell me it will be perceived as weakness. With all respect, sir, weakness is not the image you want to convey in the upcoming election. You'll need CIA support to foster your image of strength. Six men, including Daniel, walked into the back room of the White House, not dressed in formal suits, but in flashy golf attire that would make Lee Trevino jealous. These men did not have poor taste in clothing, but were superstitious. The multicolored dress socks and the pom-pom berets helped their game. These men were of assorted backgrounds of distinction. All of them were successful in their endeavors throughout their careers. One cannot plan with great care to be a part of the president's kitchen cabinet, 
which was created by the seventh president, Andrew Jackson, but must be distinguished enough and be the president's friend. These men now had the delight to sit with the president before their golf game in an undecorated room with only a round table and talk like men in front of the television in their underwear who had a couple of beers. These men had uncanny power to be candid and influence the president. The backroom sessions had no stenographer. No aides advised the proceeding. No lawyers were there to discuss legalities. What was spoken of in these sessions wasn't spoken of ever again.